Hi, this is Jeff Jasper, head basketball coach at Pascack Valley High School in New Jersey. If you haven't listened to Kevin's championship podcast, you're missing out. This guy's got a passion for the game, great insights, and he interviews some pretty cool people. I must say he interviewed me. I had a lot of fun. Best to all of you. Take care. Hey, coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Coaches, welcome again to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, we have the great honor to interview Coach Jeff Jasper of Pascack Valley High School in Hillsdale, New Jersey. This is episode number 42 of the Championship Vision Podcast. The school has had considerable success in basketball, led by, from 1972, led by Coach Jeff Jasper. He is the all-time New Jersey winningest basketball coach. He has won 30 consecutive league titles from 1979 through 2008 and seven county championships to go along with multiple state titles. The girls basketball team won the Group 3 state championship in 1981 versus Camden Catholic High School, 1982 versus North Hunterton High School, and 1989 versus Mainland Regional High School, and the Group 2 state title in 2005 and 2008 versus Rumson Fair Haven High School in both years. In 2008, the Indians won the Group 2 state title with a 58-52 win against Rumson Fairhaven Regional High School, qualifying for the state tournament of champions and giving Jasper the 800th coaching victory. The tournament of champions is all classifications put together and with only one champion. What a great event that is. Jasper was inducted by the New Jersey State Interscholastic Athletic Association into its Bollinger High School Hall of Fame in 2006. The 2010 girls basketball team was the NBIL champions and won the North One Group 3 state sectional title, defeating top-seeded Teaneck High School 51-47. Jasper earned his 900th win in 2000, January 2013, joining the great Bob Hurley as the only other coach in state history to reach that mark. On January 11, 2018, Jasper earned his 1,000th career coaching victory with a 73-25 win against Northern Highlands Regional High School, becoming the first girls basketball coach in New Jersey to reach this milestone. Joining Bob Hurley again is the only other high school basketball coach in New Jersey with 1,000 or more wins. Coaches, we got a treat here. Just welcome Coach Jeff Jasper. Uh, Pastac Valley High School girls basketball coach out of Hellsdale, New Jersey. Welcome, Coach. All right, let's see. Can you hear me now? I can. I hear you great, Coach. All right, then maybe this will work. <laughs> and I, right. I think it's always important to have the mic on. And sometimes these <laughs> podcasts, it's weird. It's, it's that technology sometimes is crazy. Um, but man, what an honor. Um, I already gave you an introduction uh, before and so forth, and uh, I know you got a you got an unbelievable resume, and I, I appreciate you coming on, Coach. And I know you're a busy guy, uh, so thank you again for for joining the championship. Well, Kevin, I'm telling you, I'm a little I'm a little overwhelmed that you would even uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed that you're talking to me. So let me just say that. So um, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what we're going to chat about today. Absolutely. I'm really going to pick your brain. Uh, well, first, let me tell you a little bit about the coaches I look for on the podcast. I don't know if you've seen some of the coaches that uh, I actually – I mean, I search the nation for the best high school coaches. I love talking to the best of the best high school coaches. And, I mean, I'll look around like top coaches in America – and I, your name kept coming up, <clears throat> and you were. I was actually interviewing Sue Phillips from MIDI, who has one of the nationally ranked programs, and uh, your name came up as um, 
you know, one of the top coaches in New Jersey and with a thousand wins and just so, so many accolades. So I'm just honored to be talking to you. And I know that, and I've studied you and I know some of the things you are doing, man, you can share with our audience. So again, thanks coach for, for coming on. Tell tell our audience a little bit about how you got started in coaching. Cause I know you've been doing it a long time and just kind of just refresh, just kind of share with our, our listeners about uh, who you are. Okay. Well, you know, my, my story is probably uh, mildly unique in this regard in that I'm, I just finished my 46th season all at the same high school, all at Pascac Valley, all as the girls basketball coach. So there was no program before me. (laughs) So I was the first and only coach. And um, I was a brand new teacher. I walked into um, the athletic director's office um, being as naive as anybody could be. And and I said, look, I, I really like to coach. I'd coach anything. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't even have to pay me. I'd just be happy to coach. And he looked at me and he said, um, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to start a girls basketball program. And if you can coach that for one year, you can have the boys JV job the following year. I said, the boys JV job. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm all in, uh, <laughs> three days of practice into three days of, uh, you know, uh, with I uh, had 70 girls come out for the team three days. Of th- in, by the third day of practice, I marched back into his office and I said, uh, sir, all bets are off. I'm staying with this girls. So that's how it started. And uh, that, that first year we were two and 13. I mean, basically, I was coaching aliens. They'd never played before. Um, and the beauty of it all is that it really it forced me. And of course, I mean, I though I. <clears throat> I had never coached them before. I had never really coached basketball before. I mean, I played basketball, but I never really coached it as such. And by the fact that I had to coach aliens who had never, ever played before, forced me to break the game down to minutia, um, you know, from everything about even directions that we were going. I mean, this was like unbelievable. So uh, I've approached I've approached every team basically as if I'm coaching people for the first time. So to me, the most important thing really is just the fundamentals of the game. And I've learned it from that initial season and for the 45 seasons that have followed it, my approach to it hasn't changed at all. Uh, and that is to ga- keep the game simple because um, I'm not all that complicated myself and <laughs> try to teach it, try to teach it as best I can. So it's a fundamental game. I, I figure always if you can't pass and catch, you can't play this game anyway. Uh, so the two most important skills I've always said are passing and catching. Um, and that's how I've approached it. And that's how the story began. And uh, who would have ever thought that it would turn out as it did for me from those um, beginnings? By the way, we had two we have we have two gyms and one gym um, when we started was kind of designated the girls gym. Right. And it, it, it was it was you know, not full size. It was pretty, it it was kind of ridiculous. But anyway, um, I wouldn't allow the team to practice in the main gym until we were respectable. And it took us until our fifth year that I said, okay, now we can begin to practice in the main gym. So for the first four years, the boys had a run of that main gym because I was only, I was taking them into this rather second rate, other gym, but we didn't deserve to be in the front. Um, and then in that fifth year, I went up to our boys coach. And I said, well, we'll have to figure out how we're going to share this gym. And he was like, what, what, what do you mean we're going to share the gym? I said, yeah, we're, we're going to share the gym. So for the first four years, we played all of our games away <laughs> because we had never practiced in the gym that we actually played in. And then by the fifth year we did, and then, uh, you know, the rest is taken care of itself. So, from those really humble beginnings, we have become, you know, uh, more than respectable. And how many coaches, I mean, the loyalty that you had to that school is unbelievable. And you, and I've read a lot about your, your dad and your mom, the influence on what they had on you. Tell us a little bit about that story. And I guess you, you kind of, you're kind of, you have your mom's intensity and you have your, 
your dad's calmness. Your your both your parents had a great influence on you, right? Yeah. As far as your coaching, yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty. Uh, they're pretty cool people. So, um, you know, my dad. You know, my dad's like the salt of the earth. You know, he was uh, owned a gas station. Uh, you know, he was a mechanic. He's just you know, everybody's good friend. Kind of a Zen master himself. Uh, you know, always. Uh, you know, his line always was to me. Uh, you know, the highest form of compliment that you can get is from a third party. So always remain humble. Don't ever use the I or the you know pronoun. You know, that's how it is. My mother, on the other hand, and her name was Gussie. And that's not short for Grace or anything else. Her, her name was Gussie. And uh, she was just a character. She was just uh, full board, straight ahead. You push yourself to the front of the line. You take no crap from anybody. Anybody Love attempts to push anybody attempts to push you aside, you push yourself forward. So I had the yin and the yang of the parents, right? One saying, "Calm down, take it easy, everything is going to be all fine," and the other one saying, "You push yourself to the front of the line, don't take any crap." So this was the balance. So I, I find actually that in all parts of my life, except for coaching basketball, my father, very zen-like, laid back, no issues at all. But when it comes to coaching basketball, I am Gussie. <laughs> so that's uh, that, that's kind of that combination of where, of where we are. Highly competitive on the one end, very laid back in every other part of my life on the other. Yeah, and you are intense. I tell you, I love um, – you have some great, uh, you know, YouTube videos out there that I've – and I love – I tell you what I love, Jeff, is I love studying coaches. I don't know. Maybe I, I miss my calling. But I learned so much about uh, coaches by just – I love kind of seeing what you guys do. And I'll tell you what, what really stood out to me. I was watching some video, and you just absolutely getting intense on a face-to-face sideline conversation. And i tell you what I love. Your kids just stood there with so much poise and respect. And, Coach, that's not done this much. Kids now are soft. And I don't think coaches push. And I love that. I said, man, those coaches are getting so much out of that. You're really pushing them. And they're saying, yes, sir. And they're respecting that. Man, I, I love that about you. And I love that about your kids. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it's a, um, I am intense and I'm very focused. And uh, I'll, I'll take it back to about the uh, third year I was coaching. Uh, you know, of course, the whole thing is, I mean, I'm a, um, I'm, I'm truly a feminist right from the beginning. I'm married. My, my mother was way ahead of her time. Uh, my wife, Lois, is, um, you know, a strong, independent, uh, opinionated woman. Um, and so I'm, I've been surrounded with strong women. So when I got by the third day of that first practice, uh, it was me. And we, we, this was not about coaching basketball. This was about um these young women learning where they could be in life and not being second class citizens anywhere uh stand up for who they are um and we're going to do it through basketball this was a you know they weren't going to be uh soft pedaled by me um we were going to teach the game the right way going to hold them accountable um and that's how that was the approach so uh someone had said uh one of my assistants had said, wow, you know, for girls, these, they, they, they do pretty well. I go, no, 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 man. For athletes, right. Athletes, sure. That's who we are. You know, we just happen to, this is basketball. We just happen to be girls playing it, but this is basketball. So that's always been my mantra and that's been the same here. So I'm, I'm, I'm demanding on those things that I teach. So in the third year that I was, uh, I was coaching, we were playing against the team and, and, uh, Coach kept yelling out there, you got to block out, you got to block out. We're crushing them on the boards, right? And uh, in the fourth quarter, one of his players turns around and yells back at him and says, you tell us to block out, how about teaching us how to do it? (laughs) Oh, my God. Man. Okay. You know what? You just hit the key point in everything we do. I can't hold you accountable unless, in fact, I've taught it. And that was just like, that was, that was so, that has stuck with me forever. So, um, you know, that same year I brought in a guy, his name was George Heinreich, not that the name is important. Um, and he was someone who I taught with 
and he was a great basketball mind. Then I asked him to come in for two weeks to evaluate my practices and my games. So he gave me a, 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 a huge report. And when he got done, he said, you know, you run drills that have nothing to do with what you expect in a game. Mm, wow. He goes, tell me. He goes, tell me why, why you run this three-man drill. I haven't seen you run one fast break that looks like a three-man drill, and why do you do it? I said, well, you know, for conditioning. And He goes, seriously, how about designing your drills that are actually real life for what you want done in your offense? And I was like, oh, my God. You know, it was like it was like I saw, you know, like lightning in the sky. And it changed the entire way that I formed how I went about practice. Because, quite frankly, probably like any young coach at the time, I mean, I was just taking stuff from, you know, watching games on TV, reading books, uh, diagramming things, um, you know, trying to find my place. But who knew? Who knew? And uh, he gave me that report and that changed everything about how I approached it. And, uh, you know, though I've copied from tons of people, I think all of us coaches, we all do. Uh, at the same time, I've come up with just tons of original, tons of original, but tons of things that are so simple that fit into what my philosophy is about how we play. So that's how I've approached it. And uh, that hasn't changed at all since that third year when I threw away all the books that I was reading and just said, okay, here's, here's how we want to run. This is what we want to do. This is how it's going to work. And that's how it's been. Yeah. And I love that you, you were, you had the humility to take some advice. And I, I don't think a lot of coaches have that. I think that's the best thing we can do. Um, I know um, I have a lot of mentors that come in and watch my teams play and they're honest with me <laughs> about certain things. I, I know this year our rebounding was horrible. So, that says, right, Jeff, that says that I didn't teach it. Or, you know, it could be a variety of things, but I got to teach it better. Um, no, so got to teach it better. Yes. Hey, tell me about your philosophy. Tell me about what are your core values and tell, tell me how do you transform that or teach that on the court? How do you, I know we all have core values, but how do we apply that to on the court? Because I want the coaches that are listening to take some advice and, and really kind of to understand what you're doing so they can apply it to their program. Okay. I'm not sure that anything I do can be applied, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it can. <laughs> I know. I, I would say the uh, things, <laughs> you know, you okay. Okay. The, uh, I'd say the, the core values that are in my culture, cause I think we all have to have that culture within our programs, uh, sustained success over a course of time. Uh, would be discipline, uh, accountability, uh, and loyalty. So that's how I always approach with everything. Um, and the discipline, of course, part of that comes from me. A lot of people like to come in and they see they want to come into practice, just like you have people that come to yours. Uh, I have a lot of interested people who like to come in, and I always tell them right up front, I said, look, what I do is really simple. So don't don't think there's anything happening here that when you walk out of here, you could say, you're, you're going to say mostly like, really, that's all there is to it. I said, you know, I'm like, it's just looking behind the curtain of the wizard. There isn't much here. Okay. I said, but if you're willing to hold them accountable for every drill and every skill that you teach from day one until three and a half months later in your season, then you can get this done. I said, that's, you know, and this is where the discipline and the accountability come in. And this is where the loyalty comes in because I, 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 I'm relentless on those fundamentals. So when I said before that, I think passing and catching are the two most important skills. They are, we do, we, we almost do no defense in the course of, uh, of the season. I know you'll people out there will go let them crazy. And probably I am, but, um, I believe that when a kid has a ball in their hands, they will work as hard as ever. They don't really work, you know, that hard playing defense. Nobody's going out in their driveway to work on their defensive slides. Right. But if you can get them, but if you can get them to feel really good about playing basketball, every kid in my program has their own basketball. I give it to them. So they come to practice every day. They have it in their locker. They walk on the court. They got a ball. We're taking 
probably in the course of a practice uh, somewhere um, between three and 400 shots a day, right? And I'm not talking three or 400 shots where I'm just saying go out and shoot your 200 here. I'm talking in the drill sets of what we're doing because the ball's in everybody's hands. The idea of passing, catching, and ball handling is all what we're doing. So they're taking tons of shots. And I always say you got you to do it right. So, you know, the, uh, the theory is you got to, you know, to master anything, it takes 10,000 repetitions doing it correctly. Um, and many times I'll get a kid and I'll go, so that's great. You're really good at a bad habit. But unfortunately, that's not how we're going to do this. So we start now and you're going to work on getting 10,000 of these repetitions the right way then it will become exactly as you want it to be. So for me to get them to do that, I, I, I am, um, sometimes I, I, I have to pull myself back in because I do get a little over the top in my, um, you know, my enthusiasm to get it done right. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, uh, that's just the way I have to go about it. And so when these people come into practice, they look, if you're willing on t- at times to be this intense and you got to be fair, but this is how you got to do it, then this is how it can be done. I said, but there's different ways for every coach and their personalities. This is my personality. So this is how I go about it. And, you know, I, 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 I don't cut corners and I always tell them I'm not buying in to their privilege or to enable them to accept anything but the pursuit of excellence. And I said, that's, I work at my craft. I'm trying to get better every day as a coach. And my method to you is to try to make you a better player every day the same way. Coach, tell me about, uh, and this is, this is what I want to know. Cause I, I like to, I want to see what you're doing and, and I want the coaches to kind of see it. Tell me how you would take, you were talking about shooting. How would you take a shooter and, and how would you, work on from the ground up how will you develop your shooters that's great i'm glad you asked because since i had to teach the game to aliens about how to do this and i do this (laughs) all the time right Right. so to me the game is built from the bottom up right it's all from the feet up that's the way i approach it right so everything starts with body balance so um i'm a a land on two shooter so to me everything is coming off a hop so the first thing i'm doing is making sure that i got kids with their feet flat on the floor, faced right up to the gym. I've got them, you know, four feet from the basket. Um, Then I'm going to put their hands on the ball. And I always say that their thumbs have to form a T. So um, many kids, if you throw them the ball, they're going to catch it naturally in a T, but many of them do not. But if you put the ball in their hands and their thumb forms a T, it's like perfect. Then your left hand is exactly like the karate chop that you like. Mm-hmm. And your shooting hand is exactly underneath the ball. You know, um, the third thing I say is your is your shooting thumb has to be above your your eyebrow, well, your shoot your your hand eyebrow. So, if you put your hand up in the air over over it, you're going to have. If I'm right-handed, my right thumb is right above my right eyebrow. Okay, and if I look up there, and if you were doing it right now for anybody were, they'd look at their thumbs and they they would see that it forms a perfect T right? And that's how their hand is. Uh, and if you do that, your hand is going to be right under the ball. Your shooting hand is right under the ball. Um, your thumb is right above your eyebrow and your non-shooting hand is perfectly set up as a karate chop. It's not in front of the ball. It's not behind it. Not shooting with two hands. Then the next thing I say is that your target is always going to be the top of the white square, right? Above, uh, above the rim. And that's where I want your fingers to go. So I always point out to them, and, of course, now as time goes by, they can't remember it. But I bring the picture of Michael Jordan knocking down in game six against Utah. Um, you know, his jump shot at the foul line where he pushes off, he goes up. And his hand is just a, it's a great cover on Sports Illustrated. But his hand, his fingers are right to the top of the square. If they are, your, shooting, your elbow of your shooting hand will be above your eyebrow. So you will always have right. your hand up. You'll have great arc on the ball. And that's where it'd be. And if you look at it, you'll see that his left hand is just exactly as it would be if it were set up in that T. So it's right there as a karate chop. And he, he landed on two, went straight up in the air, hand to the top of the white square. That's where his fingers were. And then your hand always comes down naturally in a parachute, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people are, you know, 
put your hand in the cookie jar, wave bye-bye to the ball. I, I don't do any of that. I just say up the square, and then your hand comes down naturally with it. Um, and so that's how I approach it. <clears throat> I, I teach that from kids who are six years old to the kids that I have, uh, you know, on my team and everybody that I, that I bring in. So those, that's the fundamentals of it. And then I always tell them that you can't shoot, you can't play this game without a jump shot. So, um, you know, you, you know, yourself, as you get kids, uh, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, they're sometimes they're just heavers. Um, uh, you know, they may shoot the ball up their shoulder or wherever, or even down from their hip, God knows, uh, but it has to be in a jump shot. So I have a whole thing that gets them to that. And then I put all this together and quite frankly, then they become jump shooters. And that's kind of how I approach shooting. That's, that's the basics. Yeah, and I was watching your. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's actually very similar to um, to what we. I'm I'm definitely a hop teacher. I some I know some people criticize and say you know it's the one two one two is fine, but I I learned the shooting from a great coach named Doc Shepler out of California who coaches Pinewood, and he taught me and and he has one of the best shooting programs. Both you guys are very similar. I love talking to you guys, um, but he has some of the greatest shooters, high school girls shooters in the country. I think the hop, and I was watching some of your girls, and I can tell it's just quick hops, good snap of the release. I can tell. I says, okay, I know Jeff teaches the hop, man, because I saw some pictures of your girls shooting, and, boy, they get off that ball quick, um, and I just love that. I, I knew you. I knew you were going to talk about the hop just by watching your players play. Yeah, more, uh, and you have. To do that. I think the hop has to be. I don't know why it's not top more, Jeff. Well, you know, I think I I, I, I go around to a lot of college coaches uh, in the uh, in October. I try to find somebody to go to every year, and and then the more I go, the more I realize, and this is not a, a knock on anybody. If a kid can shoot the ball, they don't mess around with it. And if a kid can't shoot the ball, sometimes they just recruit somebody else. But uh, right. the real teaching of this stuff takes place, I think, at the high school level. So, um, and and I find that too many high school coaches are more interested in the X's and O's part of the game, uh, the strategy and the and their offenses that they're running that they don't spend an enormous amount of time on truly teaching the art of shooting. Um, you know, so if a kid in, in the younger point, it's easy to teach them the one-two approach because that's the natural part of it, throwing the ball. You know, that's the way Bobby Knight taught it. Um, you know, that's kind of natural. But if you look at a guy like Beeline at Michigan, he, he's a land-on-two sh- teacher of the game. Yes. Um, you know, so – if you watched, I always loved watching J.J. Redick when he was playing for Duke. Uh, he was the best land-on-two shooter that I know. Uh, right, you know, right on the catch, land-on-two. Uh, and I go, this is how the game should be. Um, and then I say, if you really want to teach that jump shot and get up, you, you, I always equate it to, to a kid saying, look, if you were going to come to the end of the diving board and, and jump into this pool and do a great cannonball, right, how would you do it? Well, they would come up yeah, to the end of the diving board and they would land on two to propel themselves up as high as they could. And they'd throw their arms up. And that's how I begin the whole jump shot. Land on two on the end of the diving board and throw your hands up into your shooting pocket. And um, so, you know, maybe for the great athletes, I mean, who knows? They can do whatever they want, I suppose. They're, they're going to elevate and get off. But I, I'm not dealing with great athletes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Again, I go back, I'm always coaching aliens. So uh, I got to keep it simple and I got to keep it for what I know and what I know works. So I, I love to land on two. Um, and I just think also when you land on two, you're fundamentally sound. You're barely going to travel. You're always going to be able to make a pass. Uh, you're always going to be able to catch a pass, you know, because when you catch it, you got to land on two as well. So, um you know, some people call it a jump stop, whatever, but I, I call it landed on two. And I, I just think it's uh, it's the easy way to teach the, to teach shooting for me. Uh, and, and I find it to be very effective. And obviously you agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. And actually, um, uh, you're, you said one word, patience. I don't think coaches have enough patience. Uh, fundamentals take time to develop. And I don't think 
coaches in general <laughs> want to put that time in, but that's the key, man. That's the foundation because my offense is not going to be very good if my kids can't pass, catch, you know, to catch yeah. and shoot. I mean, you can that's run the, whatever you answer. want. I mean, I, I come back to it all the time, Kevin. If you can't, I don't care what I designed offensively. If we can't pass and catch, it doesn't make a darn bit of difference. And I don't care how good a shooter a kid is. They can't, they can't catch the ball. It doesn't matter. Now, of course, when you put that all together and you say, well, we're going to run stuff, that means you got to learn how to play without the basketball. And if we were going to talk about that for one second, if there's a, if there's a skill concept out there right now that kids that I've seen be the biggest change uh, in, the, in, in the change of the game, and some people like to confuse, you know, say that this is the AAU influence, but I'm not putting the blame anywhere. It's just that kids play well with the ball in their hands, but they don't play well without the ball in their hands. So right, teach, sure. teaching them how to, how to play without the basketball is uh, as important as anything else that we're doing. So whether you're running motion offense or you're, you're whatever, you're, what, whatever your concepts is on the offensive end, it is always about movement, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things about watching Golden State, for example, at the pro level. They really move the ball well. All, all pieces are moving without the basketball, um, you know, and I thought Popovich always did that well with San Antonio. And in the college game, when you see, you know, you watch people as they're playing, you see more and more ball movement. And I love the fact that um, now more than ever, um, the announcers themselves are saying, wow, great passing. And, that, and I think that's, uh, that's a point of emphasis going forward for all of us. Yeah, I think it's getting better. Um, but what I see a lot, Coach, is um, I see a lot of, you know, like four out or, or, or even a five out and kids just trying to break it down off the dribble. And I see that way too often. And I just – I don't like that basketball. I, I love – I love to have us get some movement, get five touches in, and then when the defense is moving, then you can break them down. So what do you what do you see? Tell me about your offensive philosophy and tell me some of the things that you see out there, good and bad, about the game as far as pass catch, as far as over dribble. Tell me give me give me just give me some of your ideas. Well, I, I totally agree with you. That whole dribble drive, you know, stuff certainly puts the emphasis on me breaking you down and then forcing the defense to guard me and then kick it to somebody else who basically is standing still. So that's, I'm not a fan as you're not a fan. Um, I think the game is, is most beautiful when there's a great cut. Um, there's a great pass and there's a great screen that to me leads to really good offense. So if I were looking for three things to be part of every a part of the offense, those would be the three things. Be able to pass the ball well, be able to cut well, and be able to screen. That way you're always say, – I say my – and what we do, it's really simple. I say you have to ask yourself two questions on the offensive end. How am I getting open and how am I getting somebody else open? So when you're thinking those two things, you're going to be thinking about cutting and you're going to be thinking about screening because you have to say those two things. And the third concept that I think is really critical, and that is the ball has to see you. The ball has to see you. So I might be making great movement, but if the ball can't see me, I'm never going to get the ball, right? So mm -hmm. it's not about eye contact with my, with my other players. It's about can the ball see me? If the ball can see me, that kid can make a pass to me. So I have to put myself in position where the ball can see me. So I kind of like to look at it in that, in those kind of concepts. I kind of, to me, that's very simple. Kids seem to understand that very well. If I stop them in the middle of practice and I go, stop, what are you doing right now? And they'll be standing still. And I go, so tell me, what are our two principles on offense? Right. You got to get somebody else open or you got to get yourself open. Standing right here, right now, you're doing neither. Right. So that's kind of the way I, I approach it. And I, I think when I, when I see a lot, of, a lot of kids being played in, again, um, I, you know, as you said before, teaching this kind of stuff, you know, kind of a, a free flow movement in the, in the motion game uh, is really just teaching basketball how to play. And if there's one thing that I see to be deficient 
all the time. And I guess it comes back to the fact that kids just don't play very much pickup basketball. They pretty much play basketball if an adult organizes it for them. Um, but so they don't understand just how to play. I'm going to tell you many times in practice, I do nothing more than for 15 minutes. We're playing three on three basketball. We're in, we're in groups of threes and we're playing to a, to a score of one and we're going to play. And there's nothing to teach the game of basketball better than playing three on three. You know, you cover all the great things. You got a screen, you got a cut, you got to make a pass. That will always lead to a score. And you're saying to yourself, how am I going to get open? How am I going to get somebody else open? And the game becomes simple. As we all know, I think we all, regardless of how we play five on five, we all recognize it comes down to playing three on three. So um, often I just, just revert to that, stop what we're doing, bang, let's play some three on three. And like you said before, your practice drills are similar to what your offensive system is, right? That's where you've changed the best, right? So you're not just practicing drills, you're practicing game, almost like game, like I wouldn't say drills, but game like situations. Uh, I think you're right. It's really, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really what, you know, Bobby Knight always used to say it. It's the whole part, whole method. So you kind of take, the whole thing of what you want it to look like, and then you break it down into its little parts and you got to teach those little parts so that they all fit together. Now we end up doing that for an entire season. So that means you better come up with a ton of imaginative drills to teach the same skills, right? You, you can't be running the same thing every day in practice because there can't be anything more boring to a kid than that. So you want to teach, you know, cuts, well, then you better come up with a ton of ways to do that, a ton ton of drills that will teach those skills. And that's really what I learned from this guy when he came in uh, and evaluated my practice over time was that I I needed to learn how to teach skills and develop the drills that would teach them. Um, And so I'm constantly challenging myself, ask my staff to constantly challenge me as well, um, you know, uh, with that. So, um, and I, I, I love to get feedback from kids regularly of, uh, you know, where, where we are. Sometimes I just say, okay, what do you, what are we doing today? And by the way, I'm not that organized. So I don't really come out every day with a little sheet of paper and, you know, in my sweatpants and go, okay, <laughs> go running today. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm just doing it on the fly. I take a look at where we are and I go, okay, this is what we need right now. And I just develop stuff just as we're, 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 we're going up and down. Um, and doing what we're doing. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not that smart, so I got to keep things pretty simple for me. Yeah, and that's interesting. That, that's great insight there because most coaches would not actually be that transparent and admit that. And I, I love that because I, I am Oregon. I always have my plan, but I tell you, Jeff, there are so many days we'll all change things based on what I see. Is the, And I don't think a lot of coaches do that. I mean, because we're dealing with people, right? Yes, I totally agree with you. And, totally agree. And, and, and I think and the game of basketball is chaotic, and I think sometimes coaches, we stick too much to a plan. What do you think about that? I, I, uh, I agree with you. Um, I mean, there are so many days early on when I would actually have like, okay, these are the things we're going to do today, right? I, I would even like every sometimes put like uh, we're going to 12 minutes in this drill and 10 minutes in that one or whatever, right? There are a lot of coaches who run by the clock and stuff like that. And then I'd, I'd be looking at it going, we suck at doing this. <laughs> we, we can't do this drill. We can't, we can't do this part of the drill. And we got to go now to teach that little part of the drill because we need that skill. Otherwise, we can't do this. And my, my assistant coach would say to me, um, I looked at your sheet today. Uh, uh, we didn't touch on any of that, did we? I go, no. I love that. And basically, I don't write anything down anymore unless, unless it's something specific that I'm preparing for a team of some you know, special uh, you know, circumstance, which leads me to one other thing. Uh, I'm a terrible scout, by the way. Um, you know, <laughs> Uh, I mean, Huddle's wonderful for me, so I can look at a, 
you know, things for a short period of time. But I have a hard enough time figuring out what we're doing, let alone try to figure out what the other guy's doing, right? Um, I mean, basically, I look at scouting and I go, okay, I just need my matchups here. We're a man-to-man team. Who can we guard? How, who can I put? What are, their, what are their simple tendencies? Okay, let's go there. So um, I'm not that involved with all of that. I'm much more concerned about what we do, and I'm not really all that concerned about what somebody else is doing. Yeah, that's, that's the old John Wooden philosophy, right? Yeah. I mean, not too many coaches do that. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm full on board with that. You know, uh, I, I can't waste my energy. I only have X amount of energy. I always say this, and I have to put it in a positive way. So uh, worrying about what the other team's going to do and how they're going to do it and all that just, just like puts me in a worry ward method. And I, yes. it zaps me, so I, I don't get too involved with that. I, I much prefer uh, – trying to get us to do things better than we're doing it and try to execute as best we can. Tell me about, and I know you've done things the right way because look at your record, six state titles. Um, was it 13 sectional? I could be off on yeah. that. It might've been 20 sectional. So you're doing something right. Yeah, we got one this year as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. I mean, I mean, you've had a lot of success. Tell the listeners, because I've interviewed people from Georgia, uh, Tennessee, San Jose, California, um, all the top coaches. Tell us about New Jersey girls basketball, because most of our listeners have no clue. But there's some good basketball in your state. Uh, There's amazing basketball in the state, quite frankly. Um, So, yeah, uh, there's, uh, you know, probably every state has the same – public non-public kind of division of play you know probably um new jersey's kind of caught up right now in a big transfer kind of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of kids transferring schools who uh play ball in yeah. places we all know how that works right and i don't have a problem with that they're not happy go wherever you can be happy i don't care um but um you know there's a ton of stuff um the um the best basketball, the girls basketball in New Jersey is actually played in what they know as a short conference. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically central and South Jersey. They're just awesome, awesome teams down there. Awesome talent. Um, and you know, I'm in North Jersey, you know, and I'm a public school. So, uh, you know, unlike, uh, unlike others who, uh, can find whoever they'd like to fill their point guard slot or they need a post player or, go get them. Uh, we pretty much uh, whoever lives right here, that's who we coach. So, um, you know, for all those listeners out there who have public schools, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> I know who we are every year. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. I mean, this is it. So, so we, we do. Yeah. So uh, our success has been uh, truly just about grinding it all the time. We're grinders and we don't necessarily have year round basketball players. So it's not, not the case. And, um, you know, we just, uh, we work at it. That's what I like to say. Yeah. So they're in the gym, just like I got back out of the gym, one of my kids. So you guys, do you have off season workouts? What do you do with your kids? Yeah. New Jersey's <laughs> a little tough this way. Uh, you can't work with your kids out of season. You can work with them in the summer, uh, but you can't work with them out of season. So, um, that pushes them off into AAU programs. And if you're lucky enough to find for your kids to play for a good coach where they actually will learn some stuff, then that's great. But that's not yeah. always the case. Um, so we, you know, I basically, uh, hope they're, um, they're working on fitness. They're playing other sports just to be competitive. And then when I get, right. them, uh, when I get them in June, then I have them for June and July. Uh, you know, I run my own camp and, um, you know, we play in our summer leagues and we, you know, do what we do about having a ball on our hands, you know, basically in the summer, four days a week. Um, and then, uh, then they break and then school starts again. And then I, I, I can't be with them until, uh, the Monday before Thanksgiving. So there's that whole time in there where you end up at the end of July, they're a pretty good basketball team. But then again, we start over again, come, uh, you know, come November. So, uh, there are a lot of schools that uh, figures out figure out ways to short circuit that system, 
you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, they run their AAU programs in the, in the fall. But our kids are multiple, multi, multi-sport athletes, so it's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and multi-sport athletes is important. That that's uh, actually that's my next. I mean, I, I think kids all should be playing multi-sport instead of just focusing on one. But that's another podcast with yeah. uh with you, Jeff. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. Um, now, can you hear me? Okay, because sometimes it kind of fades off just a little bit. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Good. Thanks. Great. Great. Um, and tell me about, I think it's interesting. New Jersey has a tournament of champions. What is that? Is that like all state champions play against each other? How does that work? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It just finished up this past Sunday. So New Jersey plays down to one overall state champion. That's so, cool. Yeah. So we have six, uh, we have six, six groups. Uh, so the six state champions then, uh, are reseeded in what is a tournament of champions and they played down to one. So uh, that's exactly what happened. So we've been, we've been in the tournament champions uh, four times or so um, since it started. Um, And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't say that I'm fully on board with it all the time because you win a state championship where you're really like sky high. And then two days yeah. later, you're playing in the, you know, you're playing in now another, you know, now you're playing in the tournament of champions. So there's only one team that's going to end up, uh, you know, with a win. Everybody else is going to end up uh, with a loss, but it seems to work. So, yeah, they're, they're excited. I don't know how many other states play to that kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of like the, I guess it's the Hoosiers mentality. Everybody, right. everybody has a chance. Everybody has a chance. Yeah, you're right, though. It is unique. It's almost like I've been in situations where we have won a region championship. And then when the state tournament comes around, they, they're out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I oh, mean, yeah. And you, yeah. even in the NCAA, what's your philosophy on that? I mean, how can you regroup kids to kind of I know you won. So I guess you, you call it sectionals. We call it region here. How do you how do you regroup your kids for that? Well, you know, I think, you know, just like you, you know, we win a sectional, that means that when you win a sectional, you're down to the final four and you're, you're grouped for the entire state. So that's where you are. Uh, yeah. So that's really a big deal. Um, just like your region would be a big deal. Um, and if you're really a good team, then you're like fired up to keep going. And if you're like a good team, not a really good team, but a good team, and you realize that everybody else out there has got a ton, tons of Division One talent. Um, you know, you're just happy to be where you are. So, um, you know, you're always trying to win every game that you can play, but at the same time, I think you have to have some uh, a little reality check, knowing that you're you're going as far as you can go. So, right, and you never know. You get on a hot streak. You never know, and that oh, yeah. that would be cool. And I. Totally. I'm sure you've been there. Always, um, always, always better to be a little uh, beyond that hot streak at the end of the year than to have won 28 games prior to that and then, uh, you know, fall flat on your face somewhere. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of schools out there that do not want to play you just from the, from the likes of it. I'm sure you guys are a tough out, I'm sure. Uh, <clears throat> I, I would like to think that, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I would like to think that, but. Hey, the most interesting thing that I saw is um, you said that you, you're you always in the moment. I think you call it Jasperism. I think that's what I heard, yeah. that you're always focusing on getting yourself better. Tell me about – I thought that was an interesting comment that I saw. Tell me about that, Coach. Well, I, I truly am all about, uh, you know, where, where I stand myself um, – uh, you know, where I stand myself. And, you know, the idea is that I believe, um, you know, I'm, I, I control what I do. Um, and I, I, I bring that same philosophy to my team. So we're, it, it, and again, that comes back to my core value about accountability and how I'm dealing with, uh, you know, how we all are accountable to ourselves. So, um, there are no excuses. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're, we're just, I mean, everybody talks about living in the moment. That's not, 
anything that's um, crazy, but I, I truly live my life that way. Um, I, I like to say that I'm really, um, in that regard, uh, you know, Kevin, I, I am a Vietnam veteran, so I do have, um, you know, a part of my past that lets me know how lucky I am or how fortunate I am with each and every moment that I have. So um, I kind of rally that to my own way that I live my life and really cherish each of my moments that regard. So I pass that, at least that theory and that philosophy on to the kids regularly. So not to let the moment pass, not to, um, you know, not to be caught up in the rearview mirror, looking on how things were or what was me and uh, not to be looking too far ahead about what it is, about what's going on. Okay. So, um, you know, that's kind of the way I approach it. And, um, you know, in that, in that way, the, I like to say that the, the word, um, you know, Krzyzewski uses this all the time and I, I like it as well. And that is next. So maybe, maybe he just made a terrible play or threw the ball, you know, into the fourth row, um, missed a wide open layup. Who knows? Um, you know, you have to just put it behind you and, 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 and get right back to where you are. So that's kind of where I approach it. Jasperism, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any Furtadoism. I, I like the Jasperism. I'm not going to name that after me. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's about confidence, right? Yeah, Developing exactly. that confidence. Yeah. yeah, it's about confidence in yourself. If I really have to say it, that's what it is. You know, like sometimes a kid, you know how like a parent will say, you killed my kid's self-confidence. I go, wait a yeah. minute, like an oxymoron. If it's self-confidence, how did I do it? You know, I mean, you, <laughs> right. your, kid, your kid's in charge of herself. So um, don't put that on me. You know, um, that, that comes right back to your kid. So uh, that comes yeah, back absolutely. to the accountability as well. Right, right. Coach, I only have a couple more questions. I know you're busy, and I sure appreciate you taking the time out. I love picking the brain of you guys, man. You got all you great coaches. Uh, I sure appreciate you taking the time out. Hey, tell me about what what I saw. I think somebody quoted, I was watching uh, your 1,000 victory speech. And I got to tell you, I got a little emotional because uh, I've been coaching for 30 years and I got emotional knowing how many kids I've coached. <laughs> I mean, tell me about that moment. Uh, and I love that, man. I love seeing coaches really. I know you have a lot of passion for what you do. Talk about that moment when you were uh, after that game. Well, that, that was uh, really special. Um, I mean, first off, <laughs> knowing where we started, you know, about the, the chance that I would be able to coach the next year, the boys JV team, <laughs> you know, uh, from where it started to actually be uh, sitting in that packed gym surrounded by, you know, multiple of uh you know, ex-players and parents and, you know, over the, over the seasons uh, was really emotional for me. Uh, like I, I think I said in that speech that I probably cried a half a dozen times that day, um, <laughs> just, just reflecting on it. Right. Um, and luckily the game was um, we played really well and, you know, so the game was never in doubt. Um, and then just before the end of the game with the, just a few seconds to go, I guess they had this whole thing where they had passed out uh, shirts that had a thousand on them, right? To and everybody put their shirts on, you know, seven, eight hundred people put their shirts on. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just truly remarkable, Kevin. Uh, I, I was overwhelmed with it. I never, you know, who would ever think? I mean, who ever got into the game to say, yeah, I'm in the game because I want to win a thousand games? No, you just, it is, you know. So. Um, you know, among the things that so stood out for me that that night was just the amount of people so genuinely excited that this happened. And um, because I've been fighting for girls basketball for my entire career, it was like, this is really about all these young women who did this. Just say this. This ain't about me. Uh, this is about all these young women who, you know, stood in this gym and work their butts off and there's their sweat that went into this and their joy and their passion uh, that made this happen. And that to me was, uh, that's what that represented. And that's what I was most proud of. So 
Um, even now when I'm talking to you about it here, I get choked up about it. I can't help it. Uh, you know, but to feel, to feel that sense of, uh, that sense of pride for all those kids and, and all those families who put the time and, and effort in to make that happen. Yeah. And how many kids you coach their parents? I'm sure that, I mean, I, you can probably tell me, I mean, how many parents are you still with me Kevin? yeah can you hear me okay i'm back yeah great jeff hey continue on you were talking about uh you know your the uh what you're at your 1000th win and the impact that um that had on you well and, and yeah, yeah it was just you know the 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 fact that i'm i'm you know, I'm really, I'm such a, I am a feminist and that I always look at uh, gender equity. I always feel that even in a school like mine, uh, which is, you know, really progressive and enlightened, there's still more than its own little institutional gender bias that happens. And so I always look back and I see all these and, and not even so such young women <laughs> who are back in there from my earlier teams. And I, and I just look at them so proud that they are, um, it's really, a, it was them who made this happen as they stood up as pioneers in this thing, uh, you know, to fight, to fight through it. Uh, the, the, uh, it was just, you know, it was just a beautiful thing. I mean, it just, it just, uh, the number is overwhelming, you know, certainly, uh, um, you know, there's no other girls coach in New Jersey who has a thousand wins. So that was kind of cool to be the first one. And, um, you know, all of that, but the real, the real key for me was just the, uh, the hugs and handshakes that I got that night from people who were just genuinely, uh, excited for all the people that have ever been a part of that, uh, a part of what I call the long gold line. So that was, it was, it was sensational. Yeah. And you can tell you've had a lot of impact on people. Uh, which is more important than a thousand wins. I, I mean, I, I know that for a fact. Um, you can tell how many people have have uh, invested into you, and you invested into them, and that's what coaching's all about, right? I totally agree with you. I mean, sometimes you have you, you have to answer the question why, right? Why are we doing this? And every time you look into uh, you look into those faces, you go, that's the reason why we're doing this. So, yeah been a lot of faces i've looked into and they've they've been they're great faces (laughs) great faces absolutely and i i I was looking at the faces as as they were playing in those games and i was studying the the body language of the kids and i can see they're i mean they they love what they're doing tell me because girls have so many opportunities to do other things particularly out where we are that why how can you have you have tons of kids in your program. What is it, 50, I think it is? We have a lot. Um, how, how do you do that, Coach? I mean, I, I'm amazed by that because kids have so many other opportunities. Tell us kind of the secret uh, or just the key to, the key to that. I don't, the one, I, I don't know the key and I don't know the secret. Uh, I just know this, that I've never cut a kid from the program ever. Uh, I think kids belong to teams for all kinds of different reasons. Some are social. Some are just, they just need to be around. They, they want the exercise or they, they like the sport. I always say that I basically have only coached probably five or six kids in total who loved basketball. The rest mm. of them loved the team and they loved the kids they played with, but they didn't, there wasn't like that passion for basketball. You know, they weren't defined by basketball. Um, and I've always felt that if I could make basketball socially acceptable, then basketball would break out from it as compared to saying this is all about basketball and then hope that I get people to kind of want to do it. So I've always approached it, um, you know, more from uh, making it socially acceptable to do this. And then I can teach them basketball uh, once, once they're in the program, you know. So that's how I've approached it. It's kind of worked in that regard. Um, you know, it's great that I teach in the school and I love my job. I love my classes. So, um, you know, I guess that kind of helps it in a regard. 
some some people say when they see we have so many kids, they go, wait, is it a graduation requirement that they have to play at least one season on your team? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's special for kids to take the time because I know not all of them are playing, which is even more amazing because you can't play all of them. Well, um, but just being part of the program. Yeah, I mean, this year we had nine seniors on the team, right? And and of wow. the nine, um, basically one of them played. The other eight would in games, obviously that were you know decided one way or the other, they would find the time. Um, but they are more than they're more than good with that. There's no drama. They um, they're they're really into it for all the right reasons. Good teammates. Um, you know, you know. Last year I had 11 seniors. You know, I mean, you're not finding time for 11 seniors. Ooh. Nobody is, right? Um, right? You know, sometimes you'll look at a box score for us, and um, you know, in some games, like for many of many of us, we 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 can win games by large margins. Uh, and it's not unlikely that I will have played 22 or 23 kids in a game, you know. Um, so it happens. And, and that's probably why they keep keep happy. I don't know. Sometimes I look at them the next day in practice. I go, didn't I yell at you guys enough yesterday? What brings you back? You know, and they all laugh. Oh, come on, Jasper. I go, no, I'm not trying to be funny here. <laughs> and, and, uh, and you know that what I've sensed that you've done is you got the right environment, right culture, and those kids connect with you um, because they would not come out. Girls will not come out unless they can connect with their coach. And it sounds like you got the right culture going there. And that, that's pretty amazing. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I think the right culture is there because they connect with each other. Uh, I, I just try to be the conduit for that. Um, I do think again going back to those core things i talked about earlier about accountability and discipline and loyalty uh that's the culture and that really has to do with them and it's passed down from you know uh one class to the next class and that's what i call the long gold line so uh, they they've taken to that you know some people say i'm mildly responsible for it i don't think i am um i think it's just that uh, they are Right. And that's your, that's again, your humility showing up again. And that's what all great coaches have. Coach K, um, how can people get a hold of you? Cause I know there's going to be a lot of coaches wanting to try to get a hold of you and just talk hoops, program building. How can they do that? And then give us, give the coaches out there. What is one piece of advice you can give from your 46 years? That's a long time. Um, what wisdom can you give them if they were like just starting out as starting a program out? Um, well, I know I can't swear on this thing, so I can't use that language, but I would say be true to yourself. <laughs> be, uh, you know, don't BS a kid. Be true to yourself. Be consistent every day. And it's a grind. It's, uh, you got to be good at your craft. And don't be afraid to, uh, to acknowledge that you don't know everything. It, it ain't about you. It's really about the kids. And if you approach it from that standpoint, I think you'll always be a winner. And that's great advice. How how can how can people get a hold of you? I know I got uh, I got your Twitter handle and or maybe share with us how how coaches can get a hold of if well, they want to you know, get a hold can of you. Certainly it. email me. I don't mind that. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty simple. It's J Jasper. That's J J A S P E R at Pascac, which is the high school I teach at, and that's P A S C A C K dot org O R G. Um, you know, they, uh, they shoot me an email. I'll send them my, uh, my cell phone. If they want, uh, I'd be happy to talk. Uh, I'm, I'm good to sit down with anybody over some beers. Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, even if, even if you're where you are, I'd be happy to meet you in between. Um, you know, yeah, you know, that'd be great. Year, I was, uh, out at, uh, at the final four in Columbus for the women. And that's where I got my, uh, recognized for my thousandth uh, win, and I just met a, just met a lot cool. of people, you know. So um, I'm always looking to get better. So uh, you know, people think they might get something from me. I'm going to get a lot more from them because I actually picked up three or four things from you today, and the little things that you said. 
that were great. I'd love to talk to you more rather than on a podcast, just chatting about some of the things that you had to say. So we might pick that up ourselves. Yeah, that'd be great, Coach. And I, I tell you, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out. What a great honor talking to the number one girls coach in New Jersey. I can even say you're, you're probably more popular than Bob well, Hurley. Bob's a really good friend of mine. So, you know, Bob. Oh, oh yeah. that's awesome. So, uh, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, and Bob, since Bob is out of coaching now for a second year, he's he's always worried that I might catch up to him. So, uh, but he's, he's the sweetest guy. So uh, I don't think I'm near his stature. I'm kind of a, uh, kind of a well-kept secret right where I am. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. I'm telling you, Bob Hurley, we need the Bob Hurleys in coaching, Absolutely. don't you think? There's a guy, he's got it all. Oh, man, he's awesome. <laughs> he's a great coach. <laughs> coach, thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, this is what my podcast is, is about, guys like you who have a championship vision um, that are really helping other coaches like myself. Thanks again, uh, Jeff. I sure appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. I have so enjoyed this, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. Great, great. Thanks, Coach. Take care now. You thank too. you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Coaches, how are you? Hey, make sure to check out my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They were a main sponsor of my Legends Clinic last year. And I got to see in person why the Dr. Dish is undoubtedly the best shooting machine on the market. I'm super excited to get one in my program here soon. As a matter of fact, it's already in the process of being ordered. The technology and versatility of the machine are unmatched. Make sure to check out their product lineup and their new Dr. Dish CT machine on their website at drdishbasketball.com. And follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Dish B-Ball. Mention this podcast and you can save $300 extra on your next Dr. Dick, Dr. Dish purchase. Get one soon. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast.